Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Wildstorm Addiction Podcast. This is episode number one for the weeks of 414 and 421. I'm your host, Ben Murphy. And I'm Joe David Solis. And tonight we will be covering all sorts of Wildstorm goodness. We have reviews of Gen 13 number 35 and uh, DV8 Gods and Monsters number one. And we also have lots and lots of news that came out of C2E2 this past week, so we're going to go ahead and cover that first. But um, real quick, just want to take a chance to thank everybody who listened to our episode zero. Uh, we got a lot of positive comments out there around the net, and want to thank everybody who, who encouraged us and who took the time to download and listen. And, um, you know, as we go along here, we, we want to just keep keep making this fun for you guys. Um, and uh, obviously... Want to share the Wildstorm love. First off, coming out of Chicago Comic and Entertainment Expo, also known as C2E2, which to me sounds like a Star Wars droid. <laughs> sure does. <laughs> and the funny thing is you go to the website and it looks like they have it saying C squared, E squared, which I wonder if that's what they wanted. I don't know. I, was, I couldn't really find anybody discussing that anywhere. But I thought that was funny. So C2E2 has a, be, uh, a nice ring to it, though. Yeah, I feel kind of bad. I lived in Chicago for about three years, and I never got to this show. Oh, really? I didn't even... Yeah. I, I haven't really heard anything about this show much before. I don't know. Maybe it's because this had so much Wildstorm stuff that I was really paying attention this time. I don't know, but... Yeah, me neither. So, I guess it's... Uh, is it fairly new, or has it been there for a while? Do you know? I really have no idea. Yeah. So, as you can tell, we're the foremost authority on C2. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> You heard it here first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, just to kind of review some of the things that they uh, they talked about at the at the con. Uh, in the regular Wallstorm universe, um, nothing really, nothing really new. Nothing that we didn't already know. Um, the authority books are going to continue uh, with the the carrier continuing in space and unraveling more of that mystery and. Um, I did see in the solicits, though, um, that even though we lost uh, the, the, the writing team, uh, artist Al Nuevo is going to be back, uh, I think, in July is when I saw that he's going to be back on the book. So that's cool, because I really like his art. Yeah, and, it's good stuff. Yeah, so it's good to see he's coming back. Uh, the Wildcats are um, obviously still on Earth, still doing their thing. Um, they're going to continue three-issue arcs. I think the next one's called The Protectorate. And um, <clears throat> Gen 13, which we'll discuss tonight, are out on their own. They're no longer involved in, in, in the events of uh, Wildcasting the Authority. So and we'll talk more about that tonight. Um, one thing that uh, I know Wallstorm fans are really excited about, I know I am, is Gail Simone's coming back mm. to her Welcome to Tranquility series with her One Foot in the Grave six-issue miniseries, which starts in July. And um, if you guys have never checked out that series, it, it, it's really good. And you really don't need to know the Wildstorm universe to enjoy it. Um, so uh, it is out in trades. It's in two trades if you want to catch up. Because this story takes place right after the the last series ended. And uh, uh, Horatio Dominguez is going to be providing the art. And I've seen some of his preview art. And it's really good. So. That's going to be awesome. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. I love those characters. Yeah. Uh, one of the good things to come out of Wall's, um, the World Storm, yeah, yeah, from '06, <laughs> and um, 
Next up is just a couple of things that we'll be talking about here uh, in in uh, coming shows in the next few weeks. Um, Garrison by Jeff Mariotti, I think is how you say it, uh, and Francisco Francavilla is going to be drawing it. So we'll be covering Garrison. It's a creator-owned project, and uh, we'll be covering that. I think in the next podcast, if I'm not mistaken. And um, Astro City, another fan favorite, is going to be taking a short break after the Dark Age is done. Uh, but it's going to be returning with a monthly series, which I was actually surprised they're going to go to a monthly series, and it said, with no delays promised. <laughs> so that's cool. I mean, Wildstorm has done pretty good with not soliciting anything that's not done. That's true. For the last two years, they've been really good about that. Yeah. And uh, and it's it's been weird for some titles, like uh, Resident Evil, for example, which has had five issues in those two years, I think. Yeah. But hey, you know, they never solicited it until it was ready, each issue. That's right. So, and also, uh, another fan favorite, one of Alan Moore's creations, Tom Strong is returning in a book called Tom Strong and the Robots of Doom, which comes out in June. I mean, that's the title right there. That's <laughs> that's kind of like yeah. old school Flash Gordon type of stuff, you know, and uh, I uh that's that's on my on my read list is to catch up on Tom Strong. So, uh, moving right along, because we do. Have, when I say we had a lot of announcements, we had a lot of announcements. I mean, it really was heavy on the Wildstorm announcements. Uh, Ex Machina is ending soon. Number fifty, I think, comes out in July, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but the artist on that, Tony Harris, is launching a new creator-owned title with writer B. Clay Moore, called "The Further Adventures of the Whistling Skull," <laughs> which I think is a great. Idol. I just want to say it again. The Further Adventures of the Whistling Skull. <laughs> but uh, the cover art, I mean, Tony Harris is a great artist. I love his stuff in, in Ex Machina. And the art, uh, just the look of it, you know, you can probably search the web and find it real easy. It's got this strange sort of kind of steampunk feel to it. So it, it looks like it's going to be an interesting book. It describes as a pulp noir book taking place in the for, in the 1940s. The Whistling Skull is actually a title that's handed down through the ages and whose holder is destined to fight a shadowy evil. Ooh. <laughs> Mysterious. <laughs> so, no, but it, it really, I mean, the art looks great and the premise just like sounds so, so fun. You know, to me, that, that that's the kind of stuff that I just love to see in comics, something different. We also had God of War number one sell out, which Wildstorm's had a lot of success with their video game tie-ins. And um, it says that also the Gears of War comic will pave the way for the recently announced Gears of War 3. So they're, they're really working hard to, to just, you know, tie all this together, you know, you know, having the comic tie-in with the game that's coming out, I mean, that, that takes a lot of coordination between, you know, the comic company and the video game company. So that's 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 pretty cool that they're doing that. Yeah. They seem to be doing the best in the industry with that. Yeah. And apparently doing some pretty good stories, you know, of uh, Forgot a War to sell out. And, yeah, I realize it's catering to, to fans of the game, but that's exactly what it's meant to do, mm-hmm. so... More tie-in news, um, TV tie-in here, the, the TV show Fringe, which Wildstorm's already done uh, a short series with that. They're going to do another one, another miniseries called Fringe, Tales from the Fringe, which uh, 
I just I, I didn't get too much news about it, but it, it's my understanding that it'll focus on each of the characters. Um, I've heard good things about that show. I've not had a chance to watch it. A lot of people have described it as kind of like the modern modern day X Files, and uh, so that's that's pretty interesting. And speaking, see how I segue. Speaking of X Files, <laughs> nice segue. Yeah, nice segue. <laughs> not planned, I promise. But speaking of X Files, <laughs> this is one of those crossovers that you're like, wow, why didn't they do this before? And it's actually kind of cool. Yeah, it just makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, X-Files is going to cross over with 30 Days of Night. And uh, have you read 30 Days of Night? Any of the... No, I, I just saw the movie, not the... I oh. didn't get to read it. Oh, poor... <laughs> you yeah, poor... I know. I know. <laughs> no, no, no. Just, just forget the movie. I know. <laughs> and just go read the comics, because the comics are really good, especially the first one. And... Um, <clears throat> It's going to be by uh, Tom Mandrake, and it's going to come out in July. It's another six-issue miniseries, and um, I, I'm I'm actually pretty curious. I, I uh, I'm not a big X Files fan. I, I I liked I liked the series, but I I didn't really follow it religiously. So I, I'm I think I'll, I'm going to at least pick up number one just to kind of see what they're going to do with it, and let let that guide me from there. We also have. Um, News about DB8. Um, DB8 is going to be returning to the regular Wildstorm U after Gods and Monsters is done. This was coming from uh, from uh, editor Ben Abernathy was talking about this. Cause a lot of fans were asking because um, obviously you know as we we'll, we'll talk about Gods and Monsters later, but uh, you know it does take place in continuity. It's just a question of when. Right. So uh, the good the good news is is that we are going to see more of these characters, which is which is great because. As you see, when we get to Gods and Monsters, it was a really great way to reintroduce them to, to people, not just to not just the fans, but to everybody. Apparently, Gen 13 will remain bi bi monthly for the foreseeable future. And uh, I'm sorry, but I have to give a boo to that one because I just uh, uh, I mean, yeah, you'll see. We're gonna get to that one in a minute too, and it's so good. And it's like, oh, just make it monthly again, please. You know. <laughs> So, here's a nice one. Here's a nice little tidbit they gave us. When asked if they're going to do anything else with Team 7, they mentioned that Team 7 will return, but no further details were given. So, more teasers and more, you know. Ben Abernathy's good at teasing, I'll tell you that. Uh, I, I don't know if he's the one who, who controls the Twitter on Wildstorm a lot, but they, they throw out some stuff down on Twitter sometimes that they're like, oh, we have so-and-so doing a book, but we can't tell you who, who it is or what it is, and it's like, well, thanks, you know. <laughs> See, that return's going to have to be much later in the year when all the books kind of come back together around December, because right now everybody's split up. Yeah. I don't see how else they can do it unless the carrier returns. Yeah. Yeah, and that's probably, I mean, that's probably what's going to happen, because... Uh, you're right. They are all split. Everybody's split right now. So yeah, and they and they mentioned. I I don't remember when they did, but they mentioned everything kind of coming back together in December. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, yeah. They they, they did. So um, and I mean it's a full year worth of story. So they're gonna have plenty of time to develop whatever they're, whatever they're um, you know, got planned for those titles. Yeah. And um, uh, let's see. Oh. <laughs> Speaking of which, I just want to thank Ben Abernathy for defending the Wildstorm universe when a fan asked, why not just fold the Wildstorm U into the DCU? 
and <laughs> he pretty much said no and i didn't get his direct quote but i was just like thank you thank you thank you man <laughs> for defending the wellstorm you <laughs> that would break my heart <laughs> it would break a lot of fans hearts and you know and the, and, and the wellstorm fans are few and far between now you know so there's yeah. not many of us left and i i really honestly don't I, I, I just don't understand why they think I, uh, that that would help. I mean, I, I don't either. Um, one comment though that was made by um, I don't know who who answers the Ask Wildstorm questions at the boards, but whoever did, they mentioned that the plans are to keep the Wildstorm universe small and manageable. Oh, no, approachable was yes. the was the word. And I was like, hmm, that's that's interesting that they're actually taking that into consideration. You know that they want the line small enough to where not only can you get into it, but you can pretty much follow the entire universe, like we said, for about, what, 12 bucks? Maybe 15 yeah. now with, you know, with, with Deviate and Welcome to Tranquility coming. Mm-hmm. You know, so that that's pretty cheap to follow an entire world. <laughs> it, it really is. I, I think it's great. That's why I've stuck with it so long. You can't even follow Blackest Night for that. That's much. right. <laughs> and that's just one series. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jim Lee still has no plans for his Wildcats that he started in 2006. Um, although all they said was Lee hasn't forgotten about it. So whatever that means, we don't know. They've mentioned in the past that he wants to make it into a graphic novel and just kind of release it like that, which if he does, it'll be great because it's Jim Lee and then people will buy it and I'm sure it'll be great. You know, how, how relevant it'll be at that point, we don't know, but... <laughs> It doesn't matter. It'd be great, but it's not going to happen until he gets through the DCU online. Once that's out the door, he ain't touching it, I guarantee mm. it. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> although, an interesting note on that, Tim Seeley mentioned to check out Wildcats 23, which I think is next month, for more about Jim Lee's um, story that he started. So, And when asked about Stormwatch, they mentioned that the team will stay scattered throughout the other titles for now. So basically that means no new Stormwatch title. So at least the characters are still active. And we did get, one last thing to mention, we did get a lot of advanced solicits for August, a lot of trades coming out. Um, We got the final Stormwatch PhD trade, which is called Unnatural Species, which finishes off that series. And we've also got the Gen 13 Teenage Wasteland trade, which collects the second half of Mike Huddleston's and um, God, who was the writer on that? <laughs> um, that run that leads into the current one. A uh, couple of creator-owned books that are getting collected are Killapalooza and Red Herring which just came out in the last year. Uh, didn't get to read either one of those, so I'll get my chance now. The trade's coming out. So anyway, so everybody's tired of listening to me, man. So. No, that's that's okay. A lot of news came out of that show, and I'm kind of wondering, um, did they hold anything back for San Diego? Because that's a lot of information. All right, so let's get started on the reviews. Um, we have Gen 13, number 35, uh, written by Phil Hester and art by Creditorian. Um, this issue, I mean, they, they keep doing the, the really nice introductions of these issues because they are bi-monthly and it's honestly really helpful that they're doing that. Um, cause you know, you get that skip month and you're kind of not sure what's going on. 
the remnants from Gen 13 and Gen 14 are uh, kind of just wandering the plains and the states as far as we can understand. Um, you know, Roxy Grunge and Rainmaker are off on the carrier and everybody else is kind of left behind. You had to kind of just, uh, I, I don't, I don't even know if they have a direction really. Um, Runt is, uh, powered up in his large state and he's kind of stuck where he can't power down and they can't even find him, you know, a Snickers bar to, to get down <laughs> to normal size. And he keeps passing out and almost crushing everybody on their, on their trick through the plains. Well, you know, they say it really satisfies. So <laughs> yeah, it, it's interesting. This, this issue is, uh, narrated by a new character that, um, they come across about halfway through the issue and, and, his name is Pathcutter, and he, he kind of sees this ragtag group as, you know, somebody that can help him and the people that he is leading to uh, supposedly a promised land in Idaho. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which Land of potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know how this little town in Idaho got unaffected by the whole World's End event, but I guess we'll find out in the next couple months. Um it, this book, it, it's a good book. I, I, I wish we had it monthly because honestly, it's, it's so hard to pick up every time and be like, all right, what's going on now? Like, yeah, it, it seems so stunted and I know they, they have the story there. It, I just don't know if it's the time or, or the money that they want to throw into it, why it's bi-monthly. I'm not really sure. But, uh, Caitlin is, you know, the former leader of Gen 13, as far as we can, you know, as far back as the book has been, really has, is jaded and has stepped down and has kind of become a caretaker for what Ragdoll trying to piece her back together. I, I feel like Caitlin's life kind of has been uh, torn apart with all, everything that's gone on and, and she's trying to piece herself back together and I guess putting Ragdoll back together is a metaphor for that and and what has happened to the team around her. Yeah. Yeah, for a while there I was kinda of worried about the characterization when she when uh when Ditto mentions the other Gen thirteen kids' names and she's like, Don't even say their names and she's like, Why? Yeah. Why are they you know, am I not worthy? And <clears throat> I don't know, it just seemed a little out of character for Caitlin. Yeah, she came off really cold I, I been a rough year for her let's just say yeah, for her yeah for uh, the whole wildstorm universe but yeah. yeah yeah honestly yeah i mean you see that i you see these kids affected by it more than any of the other books all the other books you know the authority and the wildcats i mean they're still doing their thing they're trying to patch things up i mean they don't seem emotionally affected by it nearly as much as these kids are and it and maybe it is just because, you know, they're kids. They don't have a real mentor to guide them through this process. And they're kind of just wandering, you know, through Literally. the states. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and you see it is very an emotional book for each of these characters. It's it's different than the other Wildstorm Universe books that are out right now. They they do run across this this caravan, as I was saying, that's being led by this, this character named Pathcutter. Um, it, it's funny because I... 
you know, I, I picked up on this uh, Book of Eli vibe as they're mm. going through, going through this journey, trying trying to find food and stuff like this. And they're like, "Oh no, we're not going to come across cannibal bikers, are we?" <laughs> and they do. I mean, it's yeah. <laughs> Burnout burn finds the the you know caravan of people, and of course they run across cannibal bikers. <laughs> yeah, of course. And, you know, and they go and they take them out. And what's interesting is as they do that, there's this really strange thing where they have to take these people's food and <laughs> they don't feel good about it. It's exactly what the cannibal bikers are going to do. And they really don't have a choice but to do it. I mean, they're on survival mode. Mm -hmm. it, it's it's kind of odd. I mean, it, you don't normally see superheroes kind of, you know, stooping down to that level. And, you know, from their shoes, they really didn't have the choice. I mean, they needed to get runt food or else he was just going to waste away, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it is, you know, the, the Wildstorm characters in general are not strangers to tough choices, you know. And... um and kind of choices like this where it's like they didn't really get hired, I guess you could say, to take care of the, the the biker gang. But it's like, okay, we took care of it, but we really need some food. And, you know, of course, Pathkiller has a good reaction to that. It's like, oh, oh, so that's what's going on here, you know? It's like you, like you help us and then you yeah. charge us. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah he, doesn't, uh, he doesn't mince words. He's, he's pretty ticked off about the whole situation. Although, so, so the Gen... I guess we'll call them the Gen Crew because they aren't, really aren't Gen Thirteen. I mean, they're both. They, they were calling themselves um, Gen Thirteen Point Five there for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. They get food for Runt. Runt is fine. Ditto's looking after him. Some weird thing happens with Ditto where you know her third runs away, and I don't know how that would be for her because they're all her. It's that's just odd to me. I don't understand how she can lose part of herself a lot a lot of psychological stuff going on with this book <laughs> yeah it's it's different and then Pathcutter makes himself known again back to the group um you know really finally letting down his shield some and uh you know putting out a bid for their help to get them to this place in idaho um pocatella is supposedly unaffected by the world's end event and so that's where they're headed and i guess i mean the gen 13 crew really they don't have a place to go so i mean what's what's their choice really so i mean they could protect this caravan as they go or they can just keep wandering and scavenging for food like cannibal bikers are <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> or they could, jo they could join the cannibal bikers. <laughs> yeah. I, so they agree to go along with Pathcutter and protecting them. And he kind of explains, you know, what what they're up against. I mean, he, he mentioned this, this machine church, which is robots. I, we don't know how they were created or anything like that. But, you know, right at the end of the book, we see, you know, it, it isn't just a few it's thousands of these robots that are uh, on their way to attack this caravan yeah so and i'm not sure what the robots are going to get out of this they're machines but <laughs> we'll see it went from book of book of eli to terminator all of a sudden yeah. in this <laughs> one book <laughs> 
Yeah. And, you know, since they talk about the robotic church, you know, there is the group in the Wall Street universe called the Church of Gort. <laughs> right. Which right. was a, a creation of Alan Moore during his Wildcats run. You know, and that's basically what it is. Uh, actually, Lady Tron from the Wildcats is part of that church. Then they, they make an appearance in Christos Gage's Wildcats run. And that's basically what it is. It's a bunch of machines. You know, if you're, if you're robotic-based, you can be part of that church is basically what I understand. That's and, right. uh, so it's interesting that if this is that same church, you know, why have they basically amassed and which I think they were always about eliminating non-robotics. So that might be their motivation for this. I was just going to say, I mean, it, this is a cliffhanger that we're, we're left with. Hey, at least we have, you know, we're looking forward to something, you know, the conclusion of what are they going to do with these thousands of robots? Are they going to make it to this? supposed promised land Mm -hmm. yeah because things don't end well on the cliffhanger (laughs) (laughs) and uh you want to talk about waiting for two months (laughs) for for something to get resolved but um no it it, it also um you know this is this is uh phil hester's writer phil hester's first first issue um of gen 13 and i've really liked uh his other work that i've read and um, I think I think it's a good first issue for somebody who hasn't been reading it. I really do. I, I realize there's some things in it, like the whole thing of uh, Fairchild trying to put Ragdoll back together, or uh, and it's like, okay, who's this and what happened to her, you know? And you know they they do talk about the other kids. And if you haven't read the book before, you're like, well, who are these other kids they're talking about? So obviously, you know, it's issue 35. There is, you know, and Gen 13 is a 15 plus year old comic, you know, so there is some history. But with all that said, this is a new group of kids that constitute the Gen 13. You know, that's right. Um, so you can come here, and this issue does a good job of giving everybody's personality. In fact, some of the Gen 14 kids, you know, you get to kind of see their personality more a little bit. You get to see more about Harbody, a little bit about Wind Sprint, definitely more about Run. He had a, you know, whole Gen 13 issue that he narrated, you know, which I think was the last issue. Yeah, it was. So, so we really know him. You know, you get a little bit more about Ditto. And then, of course, you got Fairchild and Burnout, you know, who... Who I already know, so I, I don't know. I'd have to go back and read it and think, you know, does this show enough of them? But like you said, Fairchild is hurt. You know, she's, you know, hurting for her, her original group of friends. Yeah. And um, so for you to come into the book at that point and understand that about her is really all you need to know right now. You know, and then hopefully, you know, eventually as they... I hope she comes out of it. You'll get to see the, uh, you know, Caitlin that we all know and love. Because <laughs> right now she's very bitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's emotionally scarred. I mean, physically she can, you know, dominate anybody. But I'm not sure she's up to that right now. Yeah, you mentioned the Book of Eli. I actually had a Resident Evil Extinction vibe coming from her. She kind of looks like Mia Jovovich, the way she's Oh, no dressed. doubt. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think overall... You know, if you were just to pick up this book and you never read Gen 13 before, I think it's a good little showcase of the characters who are in the book right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's the beginning of the story, you know. Um, so I, I think Phil Hester did a good job of setting this up, and I think and I think Creditorian's art getting 
getting really good each issue. I mean, he just, you know, I I mean, I remember seeing his his initial art and and, and this one, and I put them side by side, and it's like, wow, it's just, I mean, he's just like anybody else. The more you do it, the more you improve, you know? It's a it's a good fit for the for the feel of the the book and the kids. I mean, it is still a teenage book, you know. It's a good fit. I I like it. Yeah. Any any thoughts on on who Pathcutter might be? You think he's in a you think he's an old Wallstrom universe character who's kind of because he's obviously masked. We don't know. We can't see his face. That's true. I never really thought about it. Actually, that's a possibility. I guess I didn't read into it that much, but yeah, I mean, they, they had in, in the previous gen 13 issues, the last couple, they brought back some teen versions of old characters. So that's a possibility. It could be somebody that we already know. Yeah. I, I want to say, and just based on his look without the mask, I want to say it almost looks like, uh, Jackson King's brother, Malcolm. Oh. Uh, course he doesn't really display any kind of powers that because i think malcolm was all about psychic powers or you know yeah but i mean path cutter does say that he can he can feel people mm-hmm. and he can feel things but he was having difficulty with the robots so that's, a, yeah. that's actually a good observation yeah so and that's because i really don't know that character that much i only really remember him from uh from the early Stormwatch phd run that crystals gauge did and mm-hmm. uh, so yeah i'd be just I'm curious to see who he is, who's obviously trying to cover his identity for some reason. Right. You know, so. So, uh, did did you have a rating for this book? What did you think? Um, <clears throat> yeah, this one, if I remember right, because I didn't check the site before I came back, <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I gave it an 8, which is on its way to greatness, um, <clears throat> because I just really think, I really think Phil Hester got the characters, and I think also, since some of the characters hadn't really had a chance to shine yet he he really gave him some life and um i just think it's i think it's a good issue for people to jump on i really do and uh so i hope people i hope people give this title a chance even though it is bi-monthly but hey that just means you only have to spend the three dollars every other month you know <laughs> so yeah i i gave it a seven it is a really good starting off point um but yeah the bi-monthly thing yeah it saves you money but you are you are craving that that next that next hit, and it's hard to wait for it. So, but it'll be exciting to see where where he takes it in the future. Now we're going to move on to what I think has been considered the gem of the week for a lot of people online. It's the, yeah. it's the main event. Yeah, yeah. This one, as soon as it was announced, you know, months back. I know a lot of people were looking forward to this one. And, of course, we're talking about DV8 Gods and Monsters, number one, written by Brian Wood and art by Rebecca Isaacs. And, just to note, we also have a very beautiful Fiona Staples cover. And there's a Jim Lee variant. Yay! (laughs) Everybody cheer. (laughs) Jim Lee drew something. So yeah, and it really I was is. a sucker. <laughs> I, had, I was a sucker that went out and got that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And my local comic book store, yeah, they made me pay for it too. Oh really? That's yeah. just wrong. The whole idea of a variant cover has just been lost. I think it's yeah. it's supposed to be on the shelf. It's like regular, regular, regular. Ooh, variant. You know, it's like first come, first serve. Whatever happened to that? You know, 
that's yeah. the way it used to be. You know, at least at least the the first variant. I mean, they start making all these fancy ones. Yeah, okay, fine. You know, you want to charge a little bit more, but yeah. But I mean, it's a good cover. I mean, it's just it's. I mean, it's always good to see Jim Lee draw Wildstorm characters, but it's it's a great cover that he does. But and it's definitely different. His is more traditional, I think. Fiona Staples is is doing something that's more. Uh, it goes it goes more with the story, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, it does. And. Um, you know, Brian Wood, I mean, if you've never read any of his stuff, it's just, he is, he's just one of those writers that loves to make you think, you know, and he, he puts, when he puts together a comic, you know, I can tell that, that he, he's taking everything in consideration, even the cover, you know, I mean... This cover is it's basically you know it's showing copycat she's kind of in free fall and and uh, they've had that image out for a while and they actually added later this image of the primitive people at the bottom and the deviate logo is right smack dab in the middle you know it's not at the top like it traditionally would be and it's this style I don't even I wouldn't even know what to call this but it's 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 you see that logo and that's if I didn't know this was a Brian Wood comic I would. I would know right away that that's Brian Wood. That's just his style. You know, if you would go look at DMZ or any of those other books he's done, you know, his comics just have this certain style and look and feel to them, you know? And, I mean, we've got the we've got the title on the cover, you know, the title of the issue. You know, basically what the cover looks like almost is like the title page, which is normally in the comic, you know, which we do still get, by the way. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, for those of you who, who who don't know what DV8 is, um, DV8, you know, is basically the evil Gen 13. <laughs> um, you know, they were planted as far back. If those of you who listened to the um, Gen 13 retro review we did with Image Addiction, you heard that by the end of that miniseries, there was little clues planted that DV8 was coming. Of course, at the time we didn't know that, but reading it in retrospect, you do. You see it. And... You know, these were the kids. They're all Gen Active, just like Gen 13 are. But they are all messed up. They are all psychologically scarred. They, you know, they just... They've been taught to use their powers to, you know, for their own selfish reasons. I mean, just basically everything opposite of the Gen 13 kids. And... um. They originally had their own series, uh, ran for 32 issues, but the first um, six issues were actually written by Warren Ellis. And um, he originally stated he took these kids because they were so messed up. He actually uh, identified it to the uh, movie, which is called Kids, which is a pretty messed up movie. Never seen it. And uh, yeah, so. But the thing was, like, I went back and I reread the trade which uh, collects Warren Ellis' run, which is Neighborhood Threat. Um, and, and I don't know, it just, uh, I usually like his stuff, but I just I, I just wasn't crazy about his DV8 run. I mean, he obviously took advantage of some messed up stories, there's no doubt about that. But the one thing that, that was missing from that that he normally does, that you can tell, is that there's normally an overarching story. And I didn't see it in, in his run. I don't know if it got cut short, or what the only overarching thing in the original was the fact that the kids started working together um, and from there I don't know where it went 
but but basically after after the series ended i think they might have had maybe a mini series or something i don't remember but but they were gone for a long time so this is this is this is the first time they've been back uh, gosh who knows how many years it's been a while <laughs> Because uh, the, the comic, their original comic started in 99, and it ran 32 issues, so you can figure it out from there. It's still been a long time since they've been on the stands. <laughs> Here are Gods and Monsters. We are getting this story told to us from the point of view of Copycat, who apparently she's been captured by some mysterious force who's holding her prisoner and interrogating her and trying to find out about the rest of her teammates. And she is doing her best to try to remember. And apparently, whoever has her captured has shown her an image of what looks like Earth with some sort of bomb or something exploding <laughs> in the southern hemisphere that looks like it's taking out, taking out a big chunk of the planet. With, and here's the interesting part, the authorities' carrier flying away from the planet. So... We're reading a Deviate book. <laughs> We're following one of the characters, doesn't know what's going on. Apparently, the planet could be Earth, could not be Earth, we don't know yet, is exploding, and we have the authority. So, Brian Woods already got, got us wondering what in the world is going on. <laughs> right, and this is three pages in, mind you. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> so, which, by the way, uh, I just got to say, that shot that Rebecca Isaacs did of the carrier flying away from the planet, it's just awesome. <laughs> it, is. it is just such, I don't know, it, 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 her art and the coloring and everything, it's just like, wow, it's just epic. you know. And that's the title page. So, so basically, <clears throat> she starts recounting that all she remembers is that her and apparently the other, the other gen, I mean, the other DV8 kids were dropped literally from the sky onto this planet. They don't really know if it's Earth. They don't. They don't know if it's an alien world. There's some primitive people on it that kind of look human, and they don't know what, where in the world they are. Um, Evo makes a mention that his senses don't pick up any technology, any civilization on the planet other than primitive, basically. Basically, the characters don't know what's going on, and we still don't know what's going on, but you know what? The way Brian Wood is presenting this, it is so intriguing. You're going through this comic, and you're trying to figure it out, and as the characters are trying to figure it out, every new little tidbit of information he gives you, it's just like, wow, that's really cool. Or, again, wow, and then you're, you read a little bit more. It's a, it's a great reintroduction to every single one of these characters. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I mean, you want to talk about a perfect point to start reading about these characters. This is it right here. I mean, it doesn't get any easier than this to to reintroduce these characters. E even the simple little thing that he does of putting their names and their code names right next to each of them as they get introduced in the story. I mean, yep. So simple, but so effective, you know? So as we go along, then it kind of turns into a little bit of a horror movie. <laughs> Remember in the Scream movies when they said one of the rules is don't say I'll be right back because that pretty much means you won't. 
Well, that's pretty much the the rules that uh, Brian Woods got here, because the kids are on this planet. They're trying their best to figure out what's going on, what they should do next. Um, And then little incidents start happening where either one will wander off or something will happen, and they'll get separated, and it's like one by one. It's like they're getting picked off by something, or not, not necessarily picked off, but they're disappearing one by one. So, you know, they're on this planet, they're trying to figure out what's going on, and now all of a sudden somebody's taking them, taking each one of them one by one, guerrilla style, you know? I mean, you're just reading this, and you're like, what is going on? I don't know what's going on, but this is so cool. <laughs> it's very dark. It's very intriguing. I mean, his writing is, it's amazing. I've never read anything by him, and to see these characters done by him, it's it's really cool. Yeah, because he gets... He uh, since she's narrating, since Copycat is narrating this whole thing, by the way, she gets to comment on the characters, and and obviously she knows they all know each other, you know, for for years, you know, in their own continuity by now, they they've known each other, and so she provides insight into each one, the things they're dealing with. Like for example, one of the more interesting ones has always been Threshold, which is you know, uh, originally started as one of Gen 13's villains and then you know came over to dv8 and he i i mean his whole thing is he hates you know back back in the gen 13 miniseries he hated that io had created them and he was all about getting back at them and he's just full i mean he's just full of you know as they say piss and vinegar i mean he's just <laughs> i mean he he is just angry as angry can be <laughs> you know and she's narrating how when he goes out the night that he disappears, you know, it shows a scene. No words. Here, here, here's, here's, here's where Brian Wood's storytelling and Rebecca Isaac's art m- merge perfectly. Small panel, where he sees some natives, and just out of sheer frustration, I guess, uses his power to just make their heads explode. Yep. <laughs> and then he goes back to camp, and you know, Frostbite asks, you know, what, what happened? No, pretty much nothing. Yeah. I was hunting. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like, wow. <laughs> it's good to see the threshold is still as messed up as he always was, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, he's a psycho. Yeah, he really is. I mean, <laughs> because he's this real militaristic, you know, he, I'm the leader because I'm the most powerful, you know, that, that's his, that's his take, you know, on, on the whole group, and of course, I think the majority of the group, if not all of them, pretty much hate him. You know, it almost makes you yeah. wonder why they keep him around. <laughs> well, because yeah. of his sister Bliss, I guess. So anyway, so by the time we know it, you know, we're down to when everybody keeps getting abducted, we're down to just Frostbite and Copycat. Frostbite has some interesting revelations for Copycat when when they finally do figure out what's going on. Why don't you share that, Ben? This is a cool revelation here at the end. <laughs> it's interesting to see. I mean, the the first DV8 series that went for 32 issues, that whole book was about these DV8s basically trying to become a team. I mean, it took the whole run for them to actually work together. And then this very first issue by Brian Wood, they immediately disband. I mean, they're... Every single one of them goes off and picks their own tribe to mess up. You know, this, these 
each have their own tribe of uh, these Neolithic people that they can control because, I mean, they're gods to them in this world. I mean, they, they see their powers as magic. Each one of them, you know, has has their people and their influence over them. And you can see it clearly in, in the very last couple pages. Bliss creates this crazy pain and pleasure sex goddess group of warriors and <laughs> that's my uh, yeah that's my favorite shot in the whole comic is her walk walking along with her warriors and their little skull skull paint so I, there's just something about that that's awesome i love that it, it looks like a good halloween halloween costume right there <laughs> yeah evo has these crazy pack rat feral warriors i guess i mean He's like a scavenger. Not really sure what Threshold's up to. I mean... Uh, beating the crap out of his tribe. <laughs> yeah. And then Powerhouse is like the hippie of the group, I guess. I mean, he, he's taking in all the emotions and soaking that in. I don't know. It's... Yeah. <laughs> it, it's interesting how quickly they they split apart and are doing their own thing on this world that they have no I no clue about. They were just dropped into it. And instead of sticking together, they split apart. I mean, it took them so long to become a team and then so quick to just jump out of it. Yeah. But you know what that that totally speaks to their characters though cuz they they are selfish. They Everything it's about it's about them, you know. It, it, I mean, they they will. I mean, the the fact that they don't even organize to go look for each other when they start disappearing shows you that, you know. I mean, from the original run, it's interesting that they kept this relationship between Copycat and Frostbite. I don't know how much that developed. I know in Warren Ellis's run, he kind of started that. I don't know how much it stayed afterwards, but it's interesting that. They, they end up together with a tribe. And, and that's actually a good thing that you mentioned that. I mean, I, I thought it was great that Brian decided to use Copycat as the person to introduce this book and narrate it because in the original series, she was always kind of out of her mind because she had multiple personalities. You never really knew what was going on with Copycat. And in this book, she seems so with it. And, and to cover all this information for us, it's actually kind of refreshing because in the original series, you never knew where she was, who she was. She was a spastic person. And, and you know, now that you mentioned that, that could be part of what Brian Wood is messing with us with. You don't know. You don't, I mean, the fact that she is so together may be part of it. May, may be part of what he's messing with us with because, you know, he's messing with us, but it's a good thing because it, it's great, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, the the fact they are not a superhero team, you know, and, and he shows you that here in this first issue. It's not about, oh, let's band together, we're, we're you know, against this common threat. No, no, I'm going to go do my thing, and I don't care what you do, <laughs> you know. Right. Uh, that's that's their attitude with each other, you know. I'm really surprised, honestly, that Bliss left her brother because she's all in the old series. She's all about her brother, you know. Mm -hmm. And it just mentions real quick somewhere in there that they had a fight, which a lot of the stuff that was interesting. I've seen I've seen comments. If, if there's any if there's any complaint about this comic that I've heard, and it's very minor, 
because there's not much to complain about here in my opinion. It's that some of the stuff that's narrated happens off panel. It, mm-hmm. And one example is the fight between Bliss and Threshold. Um, it's just mentioned that they have a fight and that that's when I think either Bliss disappears next or Threshold. I don't remember what the order was, but that would be the explanation of why why she's separated from her brother because that's her thing. She's all about her brother in some very inappropriate ways. <laughs> yes. So... <laughs> And I'm not. It's it's not really necessary that you see that. I mean, this really is a, a setup book, mm-hmm. and it, and it looks. I mean, if you look at the covers for the next, you know, couple months solicit, it looks like we will be getting a different perspective from each member of the group. Yeah, it, it doesn't doesn't look like it's you know copycat all the time, and you know the cover kind of looks like it'll dictate who the next narrator will be to flesh out this story. Yeah. Yeah, because I think is Powerhouse in the next one, no, or is it Bliss? It's I, Bliss. Oh, okay. Yeah. Bliss, Powerhouse, and then Threshold. Uh, okay. Yeah, I, I noticed that too. It, it is cool to see to see that that yeah, we're probably going to get different perspectives, and because I assume, you know, obviously Brian Wood can take this anywhere, but I assume that if that's where we're going to go, that we're going to get each each character's point of view and kind of how they brought their tribe together and what their motivation is. I mean, are they really going to destroy each other? I mean, are they going to, are they going to have this big Lord of the Rings style war with each other? You know, where we got the, the five armies or however many they have set up now, you know, right. Or really what is going on here? You know, or or some of them just going to be like, Hey, you know, this is my tribe on don't mess with us or, you know, we'll, we'll defend ourselves. You know, there's any, there's, I mean, he just left it wide open, you know, here, here at the end. And that's, that's great because you so want to know what's, what, where he's going to take this. I mean, it, I, it's just a great book. I mean, it's a great first issue. Um, if you've never read DB8 before, this is the book to read, you know, and, and, and you, you can go, go back and pick up the neighborhood threat trade if you want to just kind of get a sense of the characters, but um, you know, you can start here and you'll be just fine. So, um, anyway, I I struggled because I so wanted to give it a ten. I just I, I just sometimes I don't want to, you know, push a book that high up. <laughs> so I gave it a nine, which is still excellent. I, I did too because I to me I don't know what that mythical number ten is, but yeah. this is close. I mean, I I've never read anything like this from the Wildstorm universe, especially with characters that I already know mm-hmm. in such a different light. It was really refreshing. It was, it was an awesome read. Yeah. Every single page. Yeah. And somebody, somebody at the comic addiction, um, uh, site who commented on the, on the review I did, he was like, uh, Whoa, that's a high review or high, high rating. And something like that. And I was, I just answered him today. I was like, you know, yeah, it is. And uh, I know there were some other people who, who thought it was good, but they didn't give it a real, a real high rating. It's just refreshing. It's, no, it's very satisfying is what it is to, to, to just read a story about, about some of these Wildstorm characters that I you know, have followed for years. And that it, 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 it's, this, this is meant to you know, really, really make you think, you know, really, mm-hmm. really getting into the, you know, psychology of these characters a little bit it's almost like a psychological study you know and uh 
just the way that, that, that he presents each of the tribes at the end. It's it's almost like, you know, each one's gonna be its own study. Yep. And and that's that is so cool when the when the when any comic gets into that that aspect, you know, because I'm all for I'm all for you know okay we're gonna have the the big you know blockbuster style story, you know like a like a summer blockbuster movie where it's all gonna be you know big fights and you know the characters show up and it's your favorite characters versus your favorite villains and I'm all for that, but every now and then. Just like in my taste in movies, I love a little independent movie, you know. <laughs> and that's 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 what yeah. Wildcats is doing right now. Yeah, this is, yeah. Wildcats is the Michael Bay movie the, right now. Yes, you know this is the little foreign film. <laughs> but um, thing is, this is the this is the one that would get the Oscar buzz, you know. <laughs> yes, because it's the little film, you know. It's kind of like uh, you know, kind of like Slumdog Millionaire or something, you know. It kind of got the buzz and got the buzz and got the buzz and then won the Oscar, you know. And yeah. uh, I, I I really feel and I hope that that's what turns out with this comic because I really have seen just across the net, seen pull lists and things you know like a comicsology and some of the iFanboy some of those sites that the pulls on this were really high for a Wildstorm book, you know. So I this was this was just a really good team to put together. Like I said, you know Brian Woods' writing was really good. Rebecca Isaac's art was amazing. I mean, it's just, it really is good. Uh, I really look forward to seeing what she does each issue as she's, I mean, I think she hit it in every panel, just like a movie, like a still shot from the movies. I think she got it. So, anyway, um, so that's, that's Deviate number one. Uh, if you haven't got it, should be on the stands. Go out and try it. I just want to mention the other titles that have come out. Um, for the weeks of 414 and 421 that we didn't review um, that you can go pick up if you're interested. There's Dante's Inferno, number five of six, that released the uh, video game tie-in. Um, Ex Machina, special edition number one, which is part of DC's What's Next um, that they put out for a dollar. I, I think we have the Authority number one coming out pretty soon. That uh, It's kind of along the same vein as uh, titles are ending they they seem to put out these special editions to you know get people excited about about the conclusion um free realms number eight of 12 has released and supernatural beginnings and number four of six has released and i also wanted to mention um when you guys listen to this um we have a free comic book day coming up on may 1st which will be at the end of this week so head on out to your local comic book store and uh support them and pick up some some fun free swag that that we'll all be picking up yeah uh on those ones you mentioned i actually saw a little bit of the dante's infernal anime that was based on that and i just it was not very good so <laughs> really. so i hope i hope crystal's gauge who's writing the dante's infernal comic i'm sure he did a much better job and um yeah and also for the Supernatural fans, just to let you know, one thing that's cool about that series, they do photo covers. So it's like, you know, you're, you're looking at everything on the stands and all of a sudden you see the guys from the show on the cover. And it's like, oh, that's cool. You know, something different because that way it doesn't kind of, it doesn't blend in with everything else. Right. So, it sticks out. Yeah. I also want to mention that um, the uh, Tom Strong Deluxe Edition Volume 2 is out. And you can pick that up at our sponsors, which is InStockTrades.com. 
they've got it for $25.19, which is 30 37% off the cover price, which is normally $39.99. And like I said, uh, as Tom Strong, the Robots of Doom is coming out in June, so if you've been catching up on Tom Strong, here's the next one. You can kind of get to know that character a little bit better. I know, like I said, that's on my on my read list. Yeah, I love I love those hard hardcover deluxe editions that they put out. I mean, they're gorgeous. Yeah, and if you don't have the first one, which I assume I didn't even look, I assume it's there at in stock. You'd probably grab them both and get the free shipping because I'm sure you'd hit fifty bucks real quick by <laughs> by getting both of those. So, but anyway, but um, that's all uh, that's all we got for now. Uh, if, if you want to contact us, uh, you can catch me on Twitter at grifter78. Or you can visit the Wildstorm Resource Wiki, uh, where you can also find Ben. He's Yo-Yo Master 146, right? That's correct. And uh, just a reminder, uh, we do uh, work with the Gen 13 club, uh, club on DeviantArt. And uh, you can find them because they are running a contest right now for uh, Deviant, the DV8. We're actually doing a DV8 contest where we uh, had them take over the club. And you can... Uh, you can win a sketch from Rebecca Isaacs. Uh, all you got to do is go join the club and um, draw your favorite DVA character, and then in July we'll vote for the best one, and you'll get a sketch from Rebecca Isaacs. So, and we thank Rebecca for agreeing to do that. It's a pretty sweet deal. Yeah, yeah, it is really cool. It's, I mean, it's always cool. It's always cool when a creator agrees to do stuff like that. I mean, it's, it really does. And uh, we do two, we do have two new ways for you to contact us. Uh, we do have a Twitter page for the podcast now, which is at Wildstorm Addict. Um, couldn't fit the whole word, so it's Wildstorm Addict. <laughs> <laughs> and you can also email us at wildstormaddiction at gmail.com. So thanks again for listening, and um, uh, we'll see you next time. Yeah, we really appreciate you guys' support for the first episode, and we look forward to doing many more. Thanks, guys.